Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and we talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Pronto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how's it going? It's going great, Nick. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, last week's episode was our uh, commentary track on After Earth. And, uh, oh, I heard that went real well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, uh, so uh, everyone, sorry. Uh, but uh, you didn't get to hear Matt at all during that during that uh, production, so uh, sorry about that. There was some sort of technical issue that I didn't realize till I was putting the show together. That's a real shame too, because I made the most hilarious jokes, and you'll just have to trust me on that. Yeah, um, but we'll make up for it this week with a regular episode. Yay! Uh, Matt, what did you see this week? I saw two movies. Oh, right. I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. Nice. It is nice. Spoiler alert. (laughs) And I saw Bumblebee. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh (laughs) We'll get to that one. Uh, How about you, Nick? What did you see? I also saw two movies, um, and I decided to go with Epics this week. Um, I saw a movie from 1984 called Once Upon a Time in America. And I also saw a movie from 1995 called Braveheart. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, uh, I am wondering how that holds up. Uh, I'll I'll tell you. Yeah, tell me in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, would you like to go first with uh with with Raiders? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we go uh chronologically. No, that's not true because you said one of your movies is from what 1974. 84. Oh, okay. So I guess this is the oldest one. All right. So Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, this is a movie starring Harrison Ford. Ah, the original uh, Han Solo. Yes, the the one you actually want to see on screen and deserves time in front of a camera. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I would imagine everybody has, you know, well, I guess you can't imagine everybody's seen it because I actually, one of my friend's ex-boyfriends. Uh, Saw it for the first time like last year, something like that. Wow. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I think most people have seen it. I will spoil it. And uh, so this is the first in the Indiana Jones trilogy. Some people might say there's a fourth one, but I don't know. When I think about that, there's just a burned out hole in my brain. So I can't I can't imagine that they would have made a fourth one. Right. Um, so... This is Steven Spielberg directing um, George Lucas and another guy writing it. I'm going to assume the other guy did most of the writing because it's good. Um, but anyway, this is also back when Lucas was doing stuff people liked. So, um, And the plot is that you are introduced to uh, an archaeologist who, you know, he's not like your guy at the museum, archaeologist, uh, he's out there kind of like Tomb Raidering it up, although he was the original Tomb Raider. And, um, yeah, there's, he's trying to hunt down the Ark of the Covenant, the, um, container of sorts in which the original Ten Commandments, uh, are supposed to lie. Mm-hmm. And he's basically racing against this French guy, who's also an archaeologist trying to get this thing for the Nazis. Right. And, um, and Karen Allen is, the, is in this, and 
This is Indiana, one of my favorite movies. Indiana Jones yeah. is is hunting for it for on behalf of the U.S. government. Indiana Jones is hunting for it for, to to get it to keep it from the uh, Nazis and to get it into a museum. That's that's one thing that they come back to a lot in the movies is across the board is that um, the difference between Indiana Jones and these other people he competes with is that the other people are either looking for power or they're looking to find these things just to get money and reputation. And he really is just trying to get these things because he wants them to be in museums where I guess where people can see them. There's, you see him do a bit of work as a professor. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a little bit of a strange scene early on in the movie because he sounds boring as hell. <laughs> and and after the scene resolves, you, you hear him talking to a friend and, and you can tell like he's really more interested in doing the adventure stuff. But even though he's boring as hell, he also sounds like you know, someone who who they really enjoy what they're talking about, but it's kind of just within themselves. He doesn't seem like excited talking about it. It's just stuff he knows really well because it's so much of his life. And you've got these students just kind of staring at him. But then some of them are completely enamored. And one of them's got, like, I love you written across her eyelids. So she, like, closes her eyes and um, flirts with her teacher that way. Um, and it is kind of funny. I'd never noticed this until this go-around. Um, that when the students are leaving the class, like... I think there must be 30 students that walk out the door and all of them are women except for like the last two. Um, so, the, you know, he's the just, one, the one angry guy who like slams the apple onto his table. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and so, you know, he's this heartthrob professor too, but anyway, my point is he doesn't talk much about people getting to see these things. So I don't know if he's excited for museum goers. But he does seem really connected to museums themselves. He does seem to really want any any of these uh, artifacts to be in a place where they are revered mm-hmm. um, or maybe protected. So anyway, um, so yeah, so that, that's that's really the plot of the movie. He's trying to hunt this thing down. Um, there's a lot of back and forth. It's very much a cat and mouse kind of movie um, because whether it's the things that they're after, little trinkets and stuff, uh, maps, things like that that help them get to the Ark, or whether it's Karen Allen, he's constantly losing and getting back things. Uh-huh. Um, like he's, It's a weird mixture of being really good at things and really bad at things because he's doing all these crazy cool stuff, uh, like moves and, and clever ways to try to you know, break out of things and catch up with people and get out of death uh, or danger. But he just always gets caught and has to give things up. And um, so it's, it's kind of funny that way. Um, watching it this time around, because I've always just watched these movies and just sat back and enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. Um, never paid attention to things for like podcast purposes. Um, this time around, a lot of... There were a lot of things where I'm like, oh, you know what? This movie is still great. Um, but it there are a lot of things in it that if they were in another movie, 
I'd be like, that's so dumb. And I wouldn't let it get away with it if it wasn't a great movie. But the movie's so damn charming and fun and atmospheric that like the little things just don't matter. It's just that you totally it's it's so easy to give it a pass. Um, so like at the beginning, Alfred is it Alfred Molina? Yeah. Is that the right guy? Yeah. Um, he's with Indy before Indy you know, meets the woman that's going to be with him for the rest of the movie. He's with this guy trying to hunt down this very first, uh, uh, artifact. And the guy's like, like walking right behind him and he pauses and talks to another guy in the crew and he pulls a, um, dart out of a tree. And he's like, the poison is still fresh. Three days. They're following us. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. (laughs) If they shot that tree with the dart three days before you got there, how are we figuring that they're behind you, following you? Um, and then there, there are things like, uh, you know, like just kind of corny lines that probably now would sound really played out, but but were probably fun then. Where like um, Alfred Molina then is it, they get to one part of this building after Alfred Molina is terrified to go in. They go into this thing. Like 20 seconds later, he's like, oh, there's nothing to fear here. And Indiana Jones is like, that's what scares me. I'm like, man, this is corny dialogue, but it works so well here. Yeah. Um, well, I think uh, it's it's supposed to be corny. Yeah. and Because uh, yeah. it's supposed to be a, an homage Fun. to like those 1930s adventure serials. Mm-hmm. And, and, and those are terrible. And you know, like, but they're like action adventure. You're going on on a journey, and and that's what this movie's trying to recapture, and it does perfectly. Well, and and that's the thing. That's that's what I'm getting at. Is like movies that try to do this sort of stuff now, they don't capture adventure, and they don't capture wonder. So when these things are in there, there's corny lines and stuff like that. It just, it falls so much flatter. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking of like the mummy movies, stuff like that. It just, and there is some paranormal stuff in this movie towards the end. Um, but yeah, it just, it, it works so well. And and as far as like movie making goes, uh, I, you know, at this point, like Steven Spielberg's name doesn't mean a ton to me. Um, but. You mean like today? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but these movies back then, and, and I'm not saying he can't come out with something amazing. I just, it doesn't, it doesn't say anything on its own to me. If, if a movie that's coming out now has Steven Spielberg's name on it, but this is where it's, it's perfect, you know, where you can really go, man, that's where this guy knows exactly what he's doing. Cause the, the timing on everything, there are shots and scenes that go on a lot longer than they would right now, or than they would now even though movies are super long. Um, but it does so much to set the atmosphere. It does so much to like raise the drama along with John Williams score in, in these moments. And there are just little things that are done really well. It's like everything comes together perfectly in each scene to really do exactly what it's trying to do. Like when, um, uh, Belloc, the French archaeologist that's competing with Dr. Jones throughout the whole movie. Yeah. When they first meet, 
All he says is something like, there's nothing you can take that I can't. And I think when Indy sees him, he's like, oh, Belloc. And they barely say anything, but it gives you so much background. Mm-hmm. And and everything's shot and scored in such a way that you feel... It just feels like you're being completely played by the by the director. You know, like, he, he's taking you on a ride, and he's just playing you like a fiddle. And it's, it's so much fun. Um... Oh man, um, there, there One, I have so many notes because I just just jotting down tons of like sure. this is great, that's great. What's um, up? Since you're talking about Belloc, I was going to mention the um, like the scene with him and Karen Allen, where yeah. uh, where they they have like the uh, they they uh, they um, uh, initiate. What's the word I'm looking for? Introduce <laughs> when they introduce Karen Allen's character. She's doing like a drinking contest in some like. It's in her own her, bar. Her own the... bar in Siberia, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And um and she like drinks this man slash woman under the table, literally. <laughs> and and you and what you learn and then from like like right after that scene, she's almost stone cold sober again. Uh and then later in the movie, uh when she is Belloc's prisoner, uh she um decides to try to get him drunk in order to try to uh escape. Yeah, and the 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 script turns the tables on Karen Allen, where she's drinking this. It's either vodka or wine, and um, it hits her really hard, and she gets like hammered. And he's and she like jokes about it. She's like, "This is some pretty strong stuff." And he's like, "Yeah, I grew up on this. It's my family's label. Like I make this wine." So like when when she starts doing the when she starts the drinking thing you think what's going to happen is she's going to drink him under the table and she's going to escape when in reality what they do is they actually bond um they bond to to each other and she just kind of pulls a knife on him and he's like I'm going to go but maybe in the future we'll meet again and we could maybe try this over again and then the uh the creepy german guy comes in and 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 spoils the moment but um I, th- I think that that's just brilliant, brilliant turning the tables on, on what you expect to happen. You know, I think that they do do that a lot, you know, like mess with your expectations with the like, you've seen how great they are at things and now you're going to see them fail. But I never read that scene, including the other day. I've, I've never read that scene as though she's actually drunk. I've, I've always just read it as she's played as though she's drunk and then she's like, all right, I'm going to leave now, but just didn't realize that the Nazis were standing in the doorway. Oh, really? But that's, that's interesting. I, I, yeah. I'll, I'm not going to go watch it. <laughs> right away again. Um, but I've, I've always read it that way. I've always read it as she's playing drunk so she can, you know, trick her way out. And, and it still plays for me similarly in a way where I'm like, man, they're doing such a good job of coming up with ways of getting out of situations, but it's always stacked against them. Yeah. You know, like, uh, well, anyway, there, there are lots of examples of that throughout. But I will say, with you bringing that up, Karen Allen in this movie is such a great counterpart to Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones. Yeah. She's tough. She's funny. She, I mean, she's gorgeous. And, and she's like, and so is he. I mean, I'm watching this movie, and I'm like, man, I think I'm in love with Harrison Ford. Jesus, this guy's great looking. Yeah. And, uh... And so she's she's this perfect counterpart, and she also 
has lots of moments where things just don't go her way. <laughs> like there's, she can handle her own, like with the drinking. And at one point she gets chased by a guy into a house and he's got a sword, I think. And she's got a pan uh-huh. and then she knocks him out with the pan. Yeah. But then she hides in a basket and then they, you know, they're like, Oh, they're the monkey on top of the basket. There she is. We found her. And it's like, yeah. man, she was doing so well getting away. Nope. Not going to work. Foiled by the monkey. <laughs> yeah. But there are so many, shots i don't i don't think we see enough of this stuff today where so many shots in this movie that are just done perfectly and in that scene where you first meet her in her bar indiana jones comes in and you see his shadow on the wall and then as the fighting goes on once the nazis show up and then indiana jones shows up and they're they're all brawling in this bar like there are some things that are are just really cool like there's a moment where Indy grabs one guy's, like, there's a guy trying to fight with him, and he's got a gun in his hand. And then the guy who's kind of running things is like, just shoot them both. And Indiana Jones, like, takes the guy's arms and shoots for him at the other guy. Mm -hmm. And you just, you see the, instead of seeing the guy get shot, you're seeing his shadow on the wall responding to things. Right. And on one hand, it probably prevents the movie from getting an R rating to do these things with the action. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, but what a great way to do that. Yeah. Like, it's so cool. Every, every scene t- has so much more care than I feel like a lot of movies do now that are supposed to have adventure. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, ah, man, I just wish there were more movies that came out that had this, like, wonder. I mean, it makes them. you it makes you appreciate Steven Spielberg, I think, a little bit more, especially like back in the day. Yeah, uh, like when he was at the top of his game. Like he's an old man now, and um, but like in nineteen, when did this come out? Eighty one. Yeah, and um, like nineteen eighty one, he he wasn't even at his peak yet. Like this is like what really drove him to the super top, and um, and it's just like him and George Lucas were doing this as as like a fun project. So like, it's just awesome how well it it all came together and it makes go ahead i just it just makes you wish that there were more like like that they just made more together while they while they were both really interested in doing it yeah yeah it really feels like it's someone's passion project in like completely counter to someone like tommy wiseau (laughs) It's it's the passion project of of a couple people who are super competent yeah um now, so I did notice some things here and there where I was like, well, that's a little strange. And, and, and one thing was the ADR. There's a lot of ADR in this movie. Yeah. And I don't know if it is maybe that Karen Allen didn't really project or if it's just there was there's a lot of action and stuff. So they're having to record it again later. Um, it, but it seemed like a lot of the time it was it, it kind of interferes with her lines. You can really pick it up there, but it didn't take me out of the movie that much. Um, uh, John Reese Davies is in this, and I've been hearing a lot of stuff about him saying some like racist stuff. And, oh no, and, really? Yeah. No. I, and I think, um, I think, was it about I take Hobbits? this with a grain of salt? Uh, yeah, he's really against Hobbits. Um, oh. and, and I think, uh, people of uh muslim faith oh uh, and i'm just like man i'm so sick of politics ruining our entertainment yeah but you know speaking of politics our president sucks <laughs> back to the podcast <laughs> um uh y- you know um 
man, there are just more shots that I wrote about here. I, I will I'll share another one here where mm-hmm. um when Karen Allen does, and her name's Marion. Uh, when Marion um, is in the basket, it, when they grab it and they they start running away and kind of snatching her, then Indy comes to the end of like he's trying to catch up, comes to the end of this like alley, and you see his face, and there's a long shot that you just wouldn't have now of him just looking around like, oh no, yeah, and they don't quite. They don't. What I remembered happening, what I was expecting, was a shot that completely backs up and just goes, "Look at all these baskets he's looking at." But it's not shot quite that way. It, it, you see him go, "Oh no!" and you're really there with him, and then he's already rushing forward into the sea of baskets, um, and that—it's it, just cool. And most of the cool part is just seeing his reaction and, and taking the time to do that. Because if I were seeing that movie for the first time. I'd be like, oh, my God, what is he looking at? What happened? Is she dead? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, well, and then it is followed by one of those forgivable scenes again where she's she's supposedly on a truck that tips over <laughs> and that explodes. Right, yeah. <laughs> like the front door gets shot twice and the truck tips over and just explodes for no reason. Yeah. Um, do, they, uh, how do, do they even explain how she gets out of the truck? Cause we, no. Cause um, no. I was watching this movie with my son maybe a month ago, and uh, we turned it off uh, just as just as they get to the submarine part. Uh-huh. Um, and then I was like, well, maybe we'll just skip the ending because you're six, and uh, <laughs> and um, but uh, up until that point, he was loving it. He thought it was great. But um, uh, I'm trying to remember they they don't they like you said they don't show her getting out of no. the truck at all. They don't. They don't explain it all either. He finds her in a tent. Yeah. And um, he finds her on accident. Like, oh, they switched the baskets. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That's, that's all. He just says they switched baskets. Um, and again, you know, it's like, oh, I'll forgive that. Speaking of the end, though, you know, when people's faces are melting and shit, uh-huh. there are some pretty dated effects here and there in this movie. Yeah. Um, but they also do such a, a really good job with what they've got. So, like, there's a lot of physical stunt work and whatnot that they make work mm-hmm. um, without any of the, you know, CGI stuff that we have today. And then in that last scene, you know, there are all these ghosts floating around and stuff, and some of them look great, and then there's this, like, ball of fire that, I don't know why it's there, um, and, like, kind of drawn on lightning. But then you got these people's faces melting, and I'm like, that is still awesome. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. What a great movie. It so, really is. Um, if you go to Disney World, um, which I recommend, it's a pretty great place. Um, get some of those Disney dollars. and um, <laughs> Real hot take on Disney yeah. World there. <laughs> and uh, they still have the Indiana Jones uh, stunt show. Isn't that Universal? No, it's Disney. Okay. And... Um, and uh, we we were there like two years ago, and we went and saw it. It's it's really it's a really dated experience. Um, if you've ever been to Disney World and saw the stunt show, it's exactly the same as it was like twenty five years ago. But it's still really cool to watch. I did actually get to see that. Um, I've only ever been to Disney World twice, and I'll probably never be there again. But um, but I did see that show, and it was it was a lot of fun. It's hot. Yeah. Like there's so much fire involved. Yeah. A lot of uh, fireballs but, and 
and yeah. and running and jumping, but but like you feel it in the audience. But it's like great. Indiana Jones is such a fun character that it's mm-hmm. it's a shame that they only made three movies. It is. I but mean, you know but what, you, know, you know what I think better be, than trying to stretch it out and making a fourth one that would just probably suck. You, you know what would be great though is if they made a fourth one and we saw Marion and what she was doing forty years later. That would be uh, a great idea. I don't know. Throw Shia LaBeouf in there, and uh... wait. I think we're going off the rails. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, actually. Okay, so dropping the facade for a moment. <laughs> Do you remember if Karen Allen was any good in that movie? No, she's terrible. She just okay. She just looks like she's happy to be working. Yeah, because I was gonna say I've seen her in a couple things here and they're like episodes of law, law, law and order or something and I'm, i remember going huh her acting doesn't seem to be on point like, she still looks beautiful like her character, I mean, she's, she's aging as well as diane lane but um but but yeah i felt like her acting was kind of off her character com- in the fourth one compared to the first one is like two completely different people i don't really remember is she like useless She's useless. She's like yelling at her son while he's having a sword fight between two cars. She's like, repose, repose. She just looks really happy to be in a movie again. Whereas in the, where in the first one, she's like this tough chick, like you described earlier. Yeah. And, and you're like, I don't want to mess with her at all. And in the, in this one, she's like, oh, she's someone's mom. Yeah. I'm never going to watch that again, so I guess it doesn't, doesn't matter I have, too much from here. I have Boy, terrible news for you. That's what our next commentary track will be. Shut your face. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all I got right now on, on Raiders of the Lost Ark. And by the way, that is the title, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So when you see it on Netflix and it says Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh-huh. that's not true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, I so think, anyway, uh, uh, in my digital collection of movies, I have it listed as Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, just so I can find it quickly with mm-hmm. uh, with the other two. And um, so there, it's so that's so there's that. It's just for ease of finding. Like the first Star yeah. Wars movie is supposed to be called Star Wars, but they changed it later to be A New Hope or Episode yeah. Four, A New Hope. But it's, I actually just learned that like last year. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, George Lucas is is a disaster. Monster. Monster, yeah. <laughs> um, um He did yeah. make a few good things. Uh True. All right. So, is that all about uh indie? Um yeah. Yeah, just uh you know, if if you've never seen it, I I honestly don't think that it's sort of movie that you could only enjoy um nostalgically i think you can completely enjoy it today so i recommend it to everybody absolutely yeah Yeah. well now on to a movie that people probably well i'm going to talk about once upon a time in america and uh this is a movie directed by sergio leone who directed the uh clint eastwood uh fistful of dollar movies uh the good the bad the ugly uh for a few dollars more um, and, uh, this is a movie that takes place in America, uh, during like three different eras, uh, turn of the century, uh, turn of the 20th century, like 19, uh, prohibition era. And then in the 19, late 1960s, I guess the 1960s or seventies, I'm not really sure. 
uh, stars Robert De Niro, James Woods, Elizabeth McGovern. Uh, Joe Pesci is in the movie for like five seconds. Um, Burt Young is in it for five seconds too. He dies violently. Spoiler alert. I'm going to spoil the hell out of this movie. Um, no one has seen this. Uh, it's excellent. It's, it's really, really good. But it's also really, really long. Like it's four hours long. And it was initially <clears throat> when the movie was first made. Um, this is just some trivia. When it was first made, uh, the American distributors were like, there's no way we're going to show this four hour long movie. So they cut the four hour movie down to two hours and released it in America where it was like universally panned as being an incoherent mess. But the international version of it was was highly regarded. Uh, Roger Ebert actually wrote a review where he was like, he saw it at the Cannes film festival in, in the eighties. And he was like, this movie was amazing. It's not the same movie that, that is being played in America. You're all being robbed of an experience. So, um, that's why this movie isn't held in as high a regard as like the Godfather and stuff is because the American distributors destroyed its theatrical run. And then only in the afterthought, when it became available on home video, were you able to see the uh, the true vision of the movie, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. I wasn't sure if you were still there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I. Some of what you're saying sounds vaguely familiar. I think I have heard about the 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 different versions of it before. Um, so like, I, I, I'm not familiar with the movie, but I must have heard a review or something of it at some point. Cause that's all sounding very familiar, uh -huh. but I really have nothing to add. I'm just kind of sure. Oh, okay. You know, let me hear about it and see whether it's worth putting four hours. Of our time. Um, I, I would say it is, I'd say it's definitely worth watching. Uh, it's really good. It's really deliberate. It's it's a little self indulgent. Um, it feels a little bit like modern Quentin Tarantino, where where he's like, like I said with the Hateful Eight, where it's like you could have made this shorter, but I see why you didn't. Um, like like everything that's in the movie makes sense. Like it's not just in there for the sake of being in there, but um, it it is really long. Like it feels four hours long, and um. Uh, and, and that's not a negative. I'm just, it's, it's really like I, when I was watching this movie two hours into it, I hit pause. Cause I was like, how much longer is there left? <laughs> there was two more hours left. So, um, basically the plot of the movie, Robert De Niro is your main character. And, uh, he plays a character named noodles and he's like, uh, in the Bronx, is it the Bronx? Uh, it's his lower East side of Manhattan. I don't know what Manhattan looks like. Uh, or uh, the areas, uh, let's say the Bronx, but he's in like the Jewish section of the Bronx and he is uh, slowly being indoctrinated into a life of crime. Like he, it starts off with him as a kid. And uh, so let me take a step back. So, so De Niro's the main character. Um, and I, I want to say that this movie is a perfect example of a main character who is a protagonist um, where where De Niro's character is not a good guy. He's not a good guy at all. He's a horrible, horrible person. And and you follow along the story uh, just to see like what happens to him. Where like he's he's the protagonist of a story, so he's the one who advances the story. And there are 
antagonists that uh, come across him uh, along the way. And, and he's a really bad guy. <laughs> like, I mean, um, spoiler alert, he rapes two women on camera and yeah and they're they're pretty violent one of the rapes the girl seems like she's really into it um but like you're not you're not sure because she shows up again later and she's like oh yeah i I remember you and and he's like yeah i remember you too and uh but then like he he rapes this other girl and it is it is violent it is horrible and it is disgusting and like he, he, when he finishes, um, when he finishes, he gets, he does it inside a cab. And when he gets out, the cab driver like, like speeds away. And like, he's like, he like kind of like dusts himself off and he's like, well, I'm not happy that I did that. And and then he just goes along his way. Like he's, he's, you know, done. He's like done with her. And, but like, um, getting back to the plot. So the movie takes place in those three different time periods and it, and it tells its story in uh, flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And so it, it jumps to like 1964 back to 1917 or 1910 or whatever. And then 1933. And it, and it basically tells the story of how him and his friends become huge crime figures. And, um, and, and I don't really have too much to say uh, about it. It's it's a really long story, and it's it's really well told. It's really well shot. Like you really feel like you're in all of these different time periods. Uh, it does have a very young uh, Jennifer Connelly. Uh, she's got to be like ten years old in this movie, and um, and so I was like, oh neat, Jennifer Connelly. She has been around forever. Because every time you see Jennifer Connelly, you're like, "Oh man, she was in a movie that far back." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah. So so him and his friends create like this crime syndicate, and then the movie kind of falls apart. Kind of falls apart at the end a little bit. Like the the ending of the movie is is really left up to your own interpretation, and um, and uh, and a bunch of is other it, stuff. Is it disappointing? I don't want to say it's disappointing, but it's very, uh, not abstract, but very like the movie doesn't tell you what happens. So you have to like guess where you're like, did, yeah. did that happen or doesn't it happen? I don't mind the ambiguity, but that sounds like a, That's after word four hours for. of investment. Yeah. Well, I mean, the movie starts off with like a three minute sequence of a phone ringing to the point where you're like, is there something wrong with the audio track for this movie? (laughs) Or I'm not kidding for like three minutes. And it's like over a a sequence of like flashbacks and flash forwards um, where, where the phone is just ringing and it's loud and you're just seeing scenes from the movie that you're going to see later. And it all makes sense after you've seen it. Um, uh, the other thing about the movie is that Robert De Niro's character um, is an opium smoker. He like he goes to these opium dens. And uh, one thing that I read about the movie after I finished it is that some people consider the whole movie to be an uh, opium dream. That like none of this actually happened. He just kind of dreamt it up while he was high. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But, uh, but. Yeah, that's it's a lot of uh there's a lot of ambiguity in it like that, but not in a bad way. Like it okay. it just kind of makes you think about it a little deeper. 
Um, things really start falling apart in the movie, though. Like you could tell they didn't really know how to wrap it up because James Woods, James Woods plays Robert De Niro's best friend. And then like for some reason, um, they're, they've been friends for like 30 years at this point. And then Robert De Niro says, like James Woods has this plan and Robert De Niro's like, oh, you're just crazy. And James Woods like, I'm not crazy. Don't ever call me crazy. Don't ever call me crazy again. And you're like, where, where is this coming from? <laughs> like, like, it feels like that's something that like when they were kids that they should have said to each other. And then James Woods reacts violently to it then because like, to, go ahead. Like something to, to have that have some meaning to it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so then, like, another five minutes goes by, and Robert De Niro's like, you really are crazy. And James Woods beats the shit out of Robert De Niro. <laughs> and you're like, I guess he really doesn't like to be called crazy, but this is, like, a new character trait. And uh, That's hard to believe. I'm pretty sure that Robert De Niro would wipe the floor with James Woods. <laughs> I don't know. James Woods is, like, a lunatic. Yeah. But, I don't know, man. <laughs> I think I've just seen Robert De Niro being tough too much in the past i haven't watched any of his grandpa movies everyone's pretty much saying he's phoning it in at this point so i don't mess with him um i like his political commentary though the um he hates the president (laughs) i like his uh robert mueller on a snl oh i've I've done a watch snl i didn't know that robert de niro was ever on it yeah, he does the, uh, well, like, you know how, uh, have you seen any of the sequences where, um, or the scenes where Matt Damon plays Brett Kavanaugh? I saw one. Yeah, those are, those are good. And, uh, and Robert De Niro plays the Robert Mueller character. Huh. Um, but, uh, back to the movie. <laughs> and, uh, um, so like, uh, you're talking about violence. The movie is like crazy violent. Uh, that it shows sequences of children getting shot and like dying in the arms of other people. Um, there's like, cause when they first start out, they're these kids and they're basically doing jobs for a local hood. And the, the bad guy, like he says, go, uh, I'll, I'll make a deal with you guys. You go down to the newspaper guy who's not paying me protection money and, uh, you burn down his newsstand. And you're like, okay, these kids are going to burn down a newsstand. And they do. They they totally do. And and then they're like, all right, great. And so then when they go to get paid, the guy says, I'll tell you what, I'll give each of you a dollar or you can rob one of the guys in my bar. And so they decide to rob one of the guys in the bar. And you're like, you're like, oh, so these kids are like pretty bad kids like already. It's not like they're just doing this stuff to begin with. They, they've been doing these bad things for a while. And then uh, one of the kids is like, how about we stop taking orders from from that big guy whose name's Bugsy, I want to say. And um, and they start off on their own campaign and then Bugsy finds out and Bugsy hunts, hunts down young James Woods and young Robert De Niro. And there's the sequence where this one guy puts on these brass knuckles. And while he's putting on the brass knuckles, it's winter. So he's like wearing gloves and he's like, pardon the gloves. And he just like cracks this kid across the face with brass knuckles. And you're like, oh my God, holy crap. Mm. I've never wanted to be hit with brass knuckles. Um, one and that two. Strange if you did. Yeah. And two, 
Uh, I've never seen it delivered so powerfully in a movie. Like it's just like this quick scene and like this one moment where he like this like light moment of levity where he like says, sorry about the gloves. It, it like, like it's cold out. You understand. And then he just like cracks him in the jaw. Meanwhile, Robert De Niro's character is getting like strangled with a, with like a, a chain uh, up the alley. And this is all to just teach them a lesson to not, they, they don't get to, do their own thing. They take orders from Bugsy or they, they die. And so like the, uh, and so like, that's how the movie goes. Like it, it moves on from there, but, um, it's a very powerful movie. It's very, very well done. A lot of great acting. Um, and it's a, it's a shame that the U S release of it was so butchered because the music in it is outstanding. The acting is great. Uh, the direction of it is terrific, um, and and so because it because it did so poorly in the United States, it wasn't up for any kind of awards. Like it was almost universally panned as a, as a bad movie. So like it didn't get nominated for anything, and it's been largely forgotten. Does it have like a Godfather feel to it? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's not as it it it's it's like it's. Godfather in the sense that it's crime, crime related. Well, I, you, I, I, I really mean the feel, like as opposed to something like Scarface. Um, yeah. Well, I, uh, if if I'm if I'm answering your question the way I think uh, you're looking for, like w- when you're in the past, you feel like you're in the past. Like uh, the Godfather takes place in like the 30s or uh, just after World War II, so the 40s. And, and you really feel like you're in the 40s while you're watching it. And this movie is the same way. Like, all the f- different time periods, you feel like you're there. Um, it doesn't, well, it doesn't glamour. I- it doesn't glamorize crime like The Godfather does. Like, it really shows how dirty and disgusting and difficult that kind of a life is. Whereas The but Godfather... it's not corny and shitty like Scarface. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm wondering about. Like, d- d- is it good? <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's, it's good. Okay. Now I like Scarface too, but I know what you're saying about Scarface. Scarface is kind of terrible. It's, it's just, it's over the top. Yeah. I don't um, know why Scarface is held with such high regard by some people. Yeah. I don't either. Um, but you know, truth be told, I'm not really a fan of The Godfather, but I know it's it's not because of it that it's lacking in quality. It it, it just didn't sh- strike me the right way. Uh huh. Um, but I also, you know, I also saw The Godfather. If I'm remembering right, this is like in high school. Um, I think I saw a version of it because I just sat down and watched all three of them with a friend, and um, who who said I needed you know, kind of insisted that I watch it, uh-huh. but I think, oh man, I, I, I think that what we watched was a version that was edited so that nothing was in flashback. Right. Yeah. That like exists. It just went chronologically. So I, I, I may not have gotten the experience that, you know, people get when they see the director's vision. Mm-hmm. Tony, Tony, on uh, one of our first few episodes of the of this show that you're listening to, talks about that that version of the Godfather. Oh, okay. I think it's called the Godfather Saga. I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the end. <laughs> okay, 
So uh, what have we got left? We got Bumblebee and whatever the other thing was that you watched. 1994's movie. 95's Braveheart. I'll go right into that because we'll save cool. Bumblebee for the for the end. All right. Um, and I've seen Braveheart. All right. Braveheart is excellent. It is a damn good movie. And uh, last night, my wife and I were watching, and this is a spoiler for the next episode, my wife and I started watching Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, good God, why? Because because I hate myself. Okay, that makes sense. Or record. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I, we're back. So I, <laughs> I, I wasn't, I wasn't saying that. I wasn't saying that Nick should hate himself. <laughs> what I was saying was... <laughs> That is a reason, maybe the only reason to force yourself to watch Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah, that movie, uh, spoiler alert, next week's episode is really, really bad. Uh, yeah. And uh, this movie I thought was made in 1998 because I made a, a remark to my wife saying, because there's these sequences of, uh, of, of, of battle in Prince of Thieves, and I'm like... This movie is four years before Braveheart, which has some of the best fighting sequences, I think, ever. Like, as far as, like, war, war, mm -hmm. horse, horse. Battle sequences. Battles. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. And um, so, like, the, the difference between the two, and they're only four years apart instead of seven, like I thought, is even, is even greater. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, Braveheart, if you're unaware is the story of Mel Gibson and his quest is <laughs> <laughs> uh, the story of William Wallace, who's this Scottish guy who leads a revolt uh, against the King of England uh, in order to free Scotland from L England's tyrannical uh, designs. Um, it's, it's great. It's really good. It has excellent music. It, is a lot of fun. Um, the chief complaint that I have about this movie is Mel Gibson himself. And it's, yeah. it's not Mel Gibson's fault. I think Mel Gibson does a good job, but I think he's supposed to be a much younger character than Mel Gibson is like Mel Gibson is just too old to play the character of William Wallace. Uh -huh. um, like, I think it's supposed to be like a young man in his like, early or mid twenties and, and, and Mel Gibson plays him in that fashion. Like he, he, he acts like he's a young man in his twenties in love uh, at the beginning. And then like the way he reacts is like a young man who's, who's just lost his love and, and things like that. Um, and, and he looks like he's someone who's pushing 45 and, and it kind of di distracts you or, Detach? No, that's not the right word. Christ, I can't talk today. Kind of takes you out of it a bit. It, a little bit, but it's it's. I I can't blame Mel Gibson for being too old for a movie. Well, um, yeah, but he put himself in the part. Exactly. So I think, he I think he can. He cast himself. Um. Now I think he does a great job, but I just wishes I wish we had young Mel Gibson to be in the movie. Um. Mm -hmm. But um. Other than that, the acting in this movie is outstanding. Um, it, it's I, I don't know anyone else in this movie, like like except for Br Brian Cox um, and Sophie Marceau. But um, so Mel Gibson is William Wallace. He leads this revolt against England, like I said, 
and he uh, he has the goal of of freeing Scotland from England, which spoiler alert for the end of the movie. If you haven't seen Braveheart, he dies, and uh, and and at the end, the next battle is with um, Robert the Bruce is like been crowned the new king of Scotland. And they're like lining up so that he can pay homage to the the king of England, and the and Robert the Bruce says, "You fought for Wallace. Will you fight for me?" And everyone's like, "Yeah, I guess so. Sure. What else are we gonna do but die today?" And uh, and Mel Gibson has this voiceover. He's like, "The people of Scotland fought for their freedom and they won." And you're like, "Did they? Because isn't Scotland still a part of England, like to this day?" I mean, it's its own country. Is it? Because I feel like it's still part of the United Kingdom. Um, because didn't they have like a vote like just a couple years ago, like to for Scotland to Brexit? <laughs> no, like Scot Scotland was gonna like they had like a, a nationwide vote. To, oh uh, man, okay. Well, you are uh, you're gonna ask me to betray my own ignorance here. <laughs> but I, I don't. I don't know exactly what the the system of the United Kingdom is. You know, like, uh, I don't think that Britain, like, owns it. Um, But I don't know exactly how the United Kingdom actually works. Scotland's its own country. I'm I'm pretty confident about that. And if I'm wrong... Hang on, let's ask... I'm going to ask Let me know how dumb I am. Um... Turn on but I do. While you're looking that up, uh, I'll I'll posit something at you because I don't remember this movie that well. I do remember thinking it was good. I know it was long. It took up two VCR tapes. Um, but what I do remember was the the all the preparation for it. Because back in the day, uh, for those of you who are quite a bit younger than us, you might not remember this. But back in the day, people really had to push movies more because there wasn't. So, you know, there wasn't internet to, to tell you about things and sell you on Instagram and things like that ahead of time. So there would be expose, not exposés, that's not the right word, but stuff on, on shows to go like, hey, this movie coming up, let's talk about how it was made and blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. And I remember there being a lot before that movie came out, making it sound like it was telling this story that's never been told and kind of giving it the sense of being legitimate and accurate. But to my knowledge, this movie is things I've heard since then. I obviously am not an ex, uh, expert on Scotland, uh-huh. um, but you're I've heard not, so a you're lot not, since. Not at all. Okay. Uh, but I've heard a lot since about how just completely inaccurate and kind of bastardized this story was mm-hmm. uh, as it was made to put in the, to fit in the movie. Um, but do you remember that? Do you remember like the marketing and stuff for this movie? I remember like a lot of Mel Gibson movies had like a ton of that. Uh, I know what you're saying, like exposés, but not exposés. Like a lot of yeah. like, like those HBO first looks for just, it yeah, and just stuff specials. like that. Yeah. And um, like, for instance, for the most part, I just remember um, not so much this movie, but the movie Maverick. Like I remember there being so much so much stuff for the movie Maverick. Really? Yeah. Like I can, I can picture Jodie Foster and Mel Gibson still standing there or sitting there talking about Maverick and how much fun they had making Maverick. But, um, I'm glad someone had fun with it. Cause I saw it in the theater and I didn't have fun watching it. 
Maverick? Yeah. Oh, they had a great time. They made a lot of money. for them. <laughs> and, um, but, um, uh, I'm looking at this internet article right now from The uh-huh. Guardian, and it says, uh, the question is, is Scotland a nation or a country? And I didn't know there was a difference between the two <laughs> words. And, yeah, uh, I didn't either. It says, the United Kingdom of Britain and Northern Ireland is the official title of the state. Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, and England are often called the home nations. All of them can be described as countries or nations, as can the UK in its entirety. None of them are independent states, however. So that really? doesn't answer my question at all, really. So does does Brexit take Scotland out of the European Union, too? I think it does, because it's the United Kingdom that's leaving. Oh, or is it just oh, Britain? <laughs> so, oh, my God. So our British listeners, <laughs> I'm sure there are none of you, but still, if we've got one, let yeah. us know what you think. Please explain. Explain please, to please us. explain your country and the other countries that are nations that are not part of your country. Yeah. Whatever. All Maybe right. if you live in Scotland, you could explain it to us, too. <laughs> um, all right. All right. So um, the other thing that I wanted to point out about this movie is I think it's like one of the last great epic movies um, to not have like CGI like a lot of computer generated stuff and yeah. and it really adds a lot of weight to the battle sequences um like like when they're when they're char- when there's like a a field of people running towards each other on horseback or or on foot and you feel it you can really feel it like like the yeah. people that are way far back in the distance out of focus feel just as real as the people who are in focus in the foreground and and I was like, while you're watching it, you're like, oh man, it's a shame that like today's epic movies, like they have like 30 real people and the rest are all computer generated uh, images because, yeah. because it really, like we said, it adds a, a lot of weight and gravity to the scene that you're watching. Um, yeah. And then you also have to think about like when they were making the movie, like all of the costuming that they had to do to make it like, uh, Everybody that's there had to wear like terrible peasant clothes and stuff. So all of those, every costume for every character had to be created. And then like for the English armies who are like well-equipped, they had like armor and, uh, drop something, armor and, uh, and, and weaponry. So like all of that stuff had to be made and, and applied and it all looks real. It all feels real. And it, it's, and I feel like this is the last movie that that really had that. Like I can't think of anything past it because the next movie that I think of that was real big, like Braveheart, is Gladiator, which was like uh-huh. t- I think two thousand or two thousand one, and uh, and most of that movie is CGI. Uh, I think you know that actually. I think that's one reason that those things. Well, maybe it's not. The reason was marketing, but that was one of the focuses that a lot of those specials had were, how did they make this? And I know that was the case with Braveheart because I remember seeing like scenes of like all these fake horses on a big rack, like this giant rack that, and and it looked ridiculous from, you know, when you're not watching the movie because it's like half a horse Uh 
just shifting forward and like like just moving robotically almost. Right. And then in the movie, you're like, man, those how did they stab that horse without it dying? You know? Right, yeah. Um, but that's what a lot of those specials were about. Like, and, and Disney movies would be like, here's how we animated things. Yeah. I remember, um, I remember seeing something in one of those specials about the making of Braveheart where like the only computer stuff that they did was to digitally remove like a car. Pa- yeah. Like a car or power lines mm-hmm. um, in the, in the um, distance Background. and stuff. Yeah. But like for the most part, everything's real. Which which is really cool. Um, I like it a lot. Um, I know that the story for this movie is totally, like you said, totally bastardized and and like you know just made up to make Mel Gibson's character be like the greatest guy ever. I don't. Right. I don't care. It's still yeah, as a movie. It as a matter. movie, it's still it's still good. Um, and the violence is really violent. Um, so yeah, Braveheart. If if you haven't seen it. You should. It's 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 quite a, a work of art. I think Mel Gibson is a terrific filmmaker. Uh, he he directed this as well. Um, I never saw The Passion of the Christ. I don't really intend to, um, but I'm sure it's a well made movie. Um, but uh, have you ever seen Apocalypto? No. You should watch that. That movie is really really good. It's really good. I'll consider it. <laughs> yeah, um, Apocalypto is a, is an amazing movie, and it. it, it How long is that? Uh, it's probably two and a half hours, okay. um, but it's all told from the perspective of. Uh, uh, it's like the story of the Mayans, I guess, and it's it's another like hyper violent um, movie, but it takes place before the Spanish arrive in South huh. America. Um, and it's, it's told in like they speak Mayan or whatever. And, uh, I'm guessing that it's Mayan. I could be wrong about the, the culture, but they end up at the Mayans at least. And, uh, it's, it's really good. And Mel Gibson is, is just a phenomenal filmmaker. It's, it's really a shame that he went crazy. Um, <laughs> um yeah, I'd be interested in seeing that actually. Cause you know, one thing that I don't think I've seen, much of is stuff that and I, and I don't mean this as a joke but like stuff that we learned about in like fifth grade history class where we're talking about aztecs and incas and mayans mm-hmm. and none of that's ever been fleshed out in movies that i've ever seen so and i know reading about it when i was a kid like history was not my jam i, I couldn't retain information i remember getting f's on history tests um and so getting to see stuff, I mean, I would imagine it's probably not completely accurate or anything, but it would be nice to see some of that stuff that was so just dry on the page um, fleshed out in a movie. Yeah, it's uh, it's well worth it's well worth the trip. Like just talking about okay. it makes me want to watch it again. I will check. Um, you have to watch it with with subtitles because it's told in a foreign language. Um, but uh, it's uh. It's quite good. Okay. Um, but yeah, Braveheart, also very good. Uh, and I believe that it was Mel Gibson's directorial debut. And uh, it ended up winning Best Picture that year. So, good for him. <laughs> the end. All right. Well, um, then I guess we're moving on to Bumblebee. Bumblebee. Uh, and... Um, 
That means there's a preview corner. Oh, boy. Oh, and it's uh, brought to you by The Big Ticket. <laughs> yeah. We're only an hour into this episode, so <laughs> why not? <laughs> um, so, first preview, Dragons 3. I've already talked about it before. Didn't realize the guy was missing a leg. I would like to see that scene, um, because I think it would be hilarious to see a... DreamWorks movie where a guy's legs getting ripped off. <laughs> um, I realized while watching this preview that I'm really like, uh, like inspirational epic music makes me want to throw up at this point. <laughs> like it's preview corners getting to be a pretty painful experience for me. Um, I didn't realize how much more I'm seeing uh, movies in the theater right now that are not horror movies. Cause I've just been hearing lots of inspirational music. <laughs> um, Lego movie. So I'll preview for that again. I, I did actually kind of laugh. Like there's a moment where a star is being pinched in a door uh -huh. and he's like, Oh, it hurts so much. And I'm like, this is making me laugh. Um, I, I it made me wonder if the beastie boys knew when they were making music that they were making music for movie previews. Uh -huh. Um, and, uh, I think it's kind of their thing, <laughs> you know, like right. if they didn't know it, they, uh, they should start making music again if they're not already. And, uh, you know, do that. I think one of them might've passed away, but I might be making that yeah. up too. Uh, I forget which one. Well, sorry guy from the beastie boys. Um, moment of silence. <laughs> You're not supposed to laugh. During silence. <laughs> <laughs> um, so moving on, I saw another preview for The Kid Who Would Be King. And each time I see an ad for this, I, I kind of, like I had said the first time I saw a preview for it, that it looked like fun and like something that where I'd have a kid um, and keep it, I would take it to it. Um, and this, I, I, when I see another commercial for it, I'm like, I bet I'm going to see this and go, no, that looks like crap. But each time, in spite of that expectation, I still come around to like, no, that looks like fun. Uh -huh. It looks kind of like what the Narnia movies should have been. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it's, it's going to suck. I don't know. I'm probably not going to go to the theater to see it or anything. But if I had kids, I think I would still go. Yeah, let's go see that. Um, Captain Marvel. Saw another preview for that. And I, the previews for this movie are just not doing anything for me. No? No, they don't. No, I, I, I mean, I, I guess I could try to put it into more words, but any, I mean, her punching an old lady is a little unusual, but other than that, I'm like, this isn't saying anything to me at all. It's like Sam Jackson's like, oh, so you're this part of this thing. And I, I might just be, I might be superheroed out. I'm just like, I don't care. I don't care at all. Like, and, and I'm, I'll, I'll go see it, I think, but the preview is not going to be any purpose for that. Cause there's nothing that says this is an interesting plot or story. And I hate to admit it, but at this point, my interesting going to see it is that I actually feel like Marvel makes pretty good movies. Uh huh. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I'll probably see it, but, um, yeah, preview sucks. Um, there's a movie called rocket man. It's about Elton John. Didn't know that was a thing. That's a thing. Um, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. And and here's the thought that uh, occurred to me while I was watching the preview for it. I'm here to see Bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not 
sure who made the connection there. Uh, well, people who are here to see this uh, off-brand Transformers movie, uh, maybe they want to see a movie about Elton John's life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a preview for a cartoon called Wonder Park that it looked like at first looked like a Toy Story ripoff. Uh-huh. And then it looked like it might not be a Toy Story ripoff. And then a the tone kind of came back and I was like, no, I'm pretty sure that's a toy story ripoff. So, uh, some kid's imagination turns into an actual theme park and the creatures that were in her mind now are sentient, I guess. So that was that preview corner. Okay. Too exciting. Brought to you by the big ticket. Yeah. Sorry. Big ticket. Um, I think he's got one. (laughs) I think he's got one more week before his money runs out for the the sponsorship. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah if you go to our page send us something else big ticket we're holding preview corner hostage <laughs> if, you, if you go to our patreon page down. for five dollars you can sponsor a corner and 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 kevin gave us a 25 dollar gift card so that's that's worth five doesn't weeks. that i think that earns him five months Five dollars a week. I I, I don't know if you Patreon anything, but I follow a couple things on Patreon. Five dollars a week is pretty steep. Is it? And and I don't know that we're quite there with our (laughs) production quality. Well, no one has been to our Patreon page yet, so you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um. All right. So Bumblebee. Um. So I had mentioned before that I wish I could want to see this movie because I wish I could pretend the other Transformers movies never happened. The first four minutes of this movie, I mean, almost instantly, actually, the first four minutes of this movie are perfect. Literally 10 seconds into this movie, I totally forgot those other movies existed. Really? Like I, I just was fucking smiling from ear to ear. I I was so into it, and the rest of the movie does not live up to the first four minutes. Oh no! But 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 it's not bad. It's not bad. It's just that seriously, first four minutes are everything you want a Transformers movie to be. It's perfect. There were characters showing up on screen that I haven't seen since I was like eight. Uh huh. Would not have, if you were to say to me, hey, draw some of the characters, I would have drawn like three or four. Uh huh. But I'm seeing them and I'm recognizing them, and it's reminding me of, oh, yeah, this guy, Cliff Jumper's a character, Shockwave's a character. And, and some of these may have been in the other movies, but they just didn't look like themselves, so it didn't matter. Uh huh. It's, it's fucking perfect. <laughs> like, I, I want to go back just to watch that scene again. And if it costs me $5, it might be worth it. Like really? seriously. So it's so uh Nick, <laughs> you got to go just to see that. But don't show now, up late. No, no, if you miss the first few minutes, you're you're going to have a cute robot movie. <laughs> Cuz that's what it goes into after that. And and to be honest with you, it's fine. It's 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 really it's just fine after that. It's it, so the first few minutes you're on um, Megatron. No, that's the bad guy. Cybertron. Cybertron. Yeah, and you're seeing this battle go on. And so the plot of the movie is Bumblebee is sent to Earth to try to establish a safety base, and that's it. 
That's it. That's the plot of the movie. Like, and 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 once he gets there, some Decepticons try to hunt him down to stop that from happening uh-huh. and to find out where Optimus Prime is. That's it. That's it. Now, if I were to try to describe the plot of any of the other Transformers movie, I'd be talking for a half hour and not know what the hell I'm saying. Right. This movie is simple. It knows what it is like the other movies. I mean, I don't think they're complex and that they're intelligent or anything. They're just fucking all over the place. Right. This movie knows what it is. And it's basically, um, I think a lot of people compare it to E.T. And I've only ever seen E.T. once and I was young. So I oh, imagine that's pretty good. apt. Make sure <laughs> the version you see, the FBI have guns and not walkie talkies. Right. Um, but this is it's it it turns into a cute robot movie where Haley Steinfeld, who is actually a likable character, uh-huh. um, and you're not getting like camera shots up her crotch and stuff because it's not Michael Bay making weird porn like. Well, how am I supposed to know she's attractive? Because she's got a nice smile. I don't know. Actually, that's that's kind of a funny joke because they're in there. Th- this movie's funny. It's not hilarious. But there are jokes that make you laugh, um, and everyone's not everyone's likable. Her, her, oh, right. her mom and her so, stepdad are kind of annoying, but it's not like the other Transformers movies where the parents are, you know, like disgusting. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, not to interrupt you, but Haley yeah. Steinfeld's the girl from True Grit, right? I just looked at her IMDb. I was like, oh, right. Yeah, and. Um, and apparently she's a pop star now too. I didn't know she was making music, but apparently she's like in the top forties. Um, huh. But she, there's a little bit of disconnect here and there. Like there are moments where it feels a little bit like maybe she's looking at a golf ball on, or a tennis ball at the end of a stick. Uh huh. Um, but it it doesn't it doesn't matter. Like it, it, in spite of that, it's still like she and Bumblebee have. Perfectly fine chemistry. Don't go to the movie expecting to see lots of action. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more like a girl and her friend. Like a, It's kind of like, you know, her dad's passed away and Bumblebee is her puppy. <laughs> and like, so they're, they're, you're just seeing these two characters become friends. And it works all right. And there's John Cena's in it as a kind of a military guy who knows what's going on and well you know to the degree that he's trying to hunt down this giant robot that might be killing people yeah and he's fine i haven't really seen him in much i don't know if i've ever seen him in anything actually but he's fine he, he he's just fine in it um and none of these characters like the military characters they're kind of goofy and stuff but it's it's just not a michael bay movie People are not gross. They're not just super annoying. You don't. You're not watching any dogs hump. Um, does that happen in a Transformers movie? It does. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, honestly, like I walked out of this movie, and this is one thing I would not have expected. I walked out of this movie wanting a Transformers movie. Like I, if they were to say, okay, there's going to be Bumblebee two and then Transformers, and it's going to be this design and stuff, I would be totally there. And if they were just to jump right to that, I'd be fine with that too. You see Optimus Prime looking like Optimus Prime. Um, there's a shot at the end of the movie where you're like, oh man, that's what that should look like. It's just, 
I don't want to oversell this movie because I'm not saying it's like an A plus quality. Uh-huh. But as far as wanting a Transformers movie to fix what every what all went wrong before, yeah, this was a good way to erase that. And I have heard that. Um, I have heard that uh, if they that they are planning that if they make more movies, they are going to follow this design. So I was, I'm pretty excited to hear that because mm-hmm. there are a couple things, some hints dropped here and there that sort of connect it to the other movies, but it also, in so many, like in a ton of ways, destroys whatever continuity there was. But I'm pretty sure the other five and a half movies did that anyway. Right. Um, this is an '80s movie, really at heart. There's '80s music. It's t- it feels like an '80s movie. It's kind of got '80s sensibilities. There are some references that feel a little bit forced. Um, to go like, hey, look at this! They're eating Mr. T cereal. Um, oh, it, I remember Mr. T cereal. <laughs> but it works. I, I, I would give this movie probably a B minus. Um, but totally watchable. The first few minutes are great, and then if you're watching it with your kid, you're probably gonna, they're gonna you're gonna have a fun movie. There's not really any blood. Uh, it is PG thirteen. I don't know why. Could uh-huh. totally be PG. Um, you will see one character just sawn in half. So that might be a little <laughs> alarming for a kid, but uh-huh. like, otherwise it's cool. Um, go, yeah, to check it out. And it's weird, but I, I saw someone say, you know, making some commentary about it. They were like, go see this movie so that some money goes into the new kind of Transformers just so that it... People don't walk away thinking like, oh, this didn't do as well, so the Michael Bay movies were better or something. And I'm like, I kind of I kind of want to agree and like petition for people to go see this movie so that... They'd make better ones. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it's doing really well internationally because I, I know it's not uh, doing great in America. I'm looking at the numbers right now. It had a budget of $135 million. And Which is pretty low for a Transformers movie. Yeah. Uh, it's gross for the U.S. is $101 million, uh, but worldwide it's at $309 million. So okay. that's pretty well, good. That should, yeah, and I mean, as far as like marketing goes, I didn't yeah. get the sense that they were beating us over the head with Yeah, it. they definitely weren't going all in like they do for all the other Transformer movies. I didn't even know it was coming out until like a week or two ago, like when it was coming out. I was like, oh, I thought this was like a summer movie. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's coming out in January. Well, I guess maybe at the end of December, but still. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, all right. It, could, it totally could be a summer movie. They they should have released it in the summer. Well, then that brings us, I guess, you're, are you done? Um. Yeah, I don't think that, yeah, there's nothing really else for me to say. Uh, yeah, go see it. Um, well, that brings us to our new super popular segment on the show, our movie ranking list. Oh man. All right. And we have to do some home or, uh, some back work. Um, we have to place after earth on our list from our commentary track last week. We have to put it on our list somewhere. We sure well, I spent yeah, the time it. watching it. <laughs> That's true. So did I. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you don't know what I think. You will in a second. Uh huh. Um, Matt, where would you put After Earth? Uh, on my list, I would put After Earth uh, above Contagion and under House Shark. What? <laughs> Are you serious? 
Uh, I mean, it's personally, it's kind of tied with Contagion for oh me. Oh my god! But <laughs> <laughs> if I were to if I were to measure this by how much I enjoyed watching it, uh-huh. then it's definitely going above Contagion. Uh, I was, I was, I was hanging yeah, out with you. We were watching. That's it. We true. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It was fun to make fun of. It didn't feel nearly as long as I expected. It did kind of fly by. Yeah. Yeah, I was expecting it to feel like it was three hours long. It didn't. Yeah. I mean, um, for the amount of times that that kid sleeps during the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um. All right. So then, uh, let's see. Uh oh. Okay. Uh. What was the first movie you saw? Oh yeah, where would you where would you put Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark? I would put Raiders of the Lost Ark at my number two slot. In your number two. Oh, so um, we were given some feedback that people want to know at what number people are putting on on these lists. So you put. Oh, after- okay. So Raiders of the Lost Ark is now my number two movie. Right, and After Earth went in at the number twelve slot. Uh, so- well, it's about to be thirteen. That's true. Uh, let's see. Uh, enter Raiders of the Lost Loser Arc. <laughs> <laughs> uh, week ninety-seven. All right. Wait, no, this is week ninety-eight. Ninety-seven was last week. All right, and then uh, where would you put Bumblebee? Um, I, I'm having a hard time figuring out whether it goes below or above as above. So below, sorry, that's a bit of a tongue twister. Um, (laughs) I'm, I'm going to put it above it actually. Really? Okay. So yeah, Bumblebee is now my fourth favorite movie ever. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Bumblebee. Week 98. So that's at number four. Yeah. Wow. That moves Aquaman all the way down to number 17. Yeah. Fucking. <laughs> all right. You know, what? I, I keep even the your movie sucks review of of Aquaman was like, yeah, this is cheesy fun. What? What? No. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't. Exactly. No, it is. No, it was long and boring and terrible. Yeah. It wishes it was a fun parody, but it was crap. Yeah, it wants to be a fun movie, but it wasn't. Right. All right, my turn now. Um, yeah. I'm going to put After Earth below Venom, but above Aquaman at the number 16 slot. Sounds right. Uh, what did we say that was week 97? Yeah. Week 97. And then I'm going to put... Once upon a time in America, hmm. The top of my list is kind of crammed with good stuff here. Uh, I'm gonna put it above Iron Man three into the number six slot below Predator. I like Predator more. You're gonna have to sit with me while I write out all of these words <laughs> in a in America. 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 That's uh, the Eminem song. Yeah. And then Braveheart. I think I'm going to put Braveheart 
above Goonies. Into oh, number, my God, really? Into the number two slot. Oh, God. Uh, that means it's going above Predator and other good stuff. Oh, it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely better than Predator. What was it that you put under Predator? And it hurt to hear you say that. Iron Man 3? No, no, never mind. Maybe it was what you put above Predator. I put uh, Spider-Verse above Predator. Spider-Verse, I had a lot of trouble deciding where it belonged. Yeah. I think I'm going to put Predator above the Goonies, yeah. Yeah. Pr- Wait. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Braveheart. Braveheart. I was going to say, you are not allowed to move <laughs> yeah. stuff, because if you are, I got some adjustments to make. Braveheart is my new number two movie. And week 98... All right, yeah, so my top five now is Apollo 13, Braveheart, Goonies, Infinity War, and Spider-Verse. And Mrs. Claus still sitting at the bottom at number 20. I'm Casey Kasem. That was a decent Casey Kasem. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. All right, well, this was an extra long episode of the show. To, uh, <laughs> no kidding. To help make up for not being able to hear you at all on last week's show. Uh, Next week we'll have an episode where it's just me talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, in the future, if we're ever in person, one of us will be on headphones to make sure that the show's being recorded, uh, because that's we lost a lot of good stuff there. And uh, I don't know if you can hear my family screaming at each other upstairs, but uh, that's happening. So I have to go. Um, because somebody is trying to murder somebody. All right. All right. Go well, intervene. If uh, if that's and we're gonna go outside and play in the snow because it snowed on the east coast today. Yay! Uh, so if that's the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. Peace out.